Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of The Drunk Riders. As always, I am Marcus. And I am not Mark, I am Mike. Yep, Mark is late to us today. We shall chastise him for the rest of time. He has a little baby that is being a pain in the butt. So, <laughs> However, this week, special guest, straight from Texas, the legend himself, Jeffrey Siebert. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, it's great to hear just cracking open a beverages. <laughs> Thanks guys for having me on. It's great to see you again. Yeah, great to have you as well. We we figured to mark our uh, 250th episode with uh, the guest that is one of the most requested we've ever had, actually. Oh, well, that's very kind. It just shows the bad taste of your audience. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a reformat if that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> They've been asking for two. I mean, if they've been listening for 250 episodes, there's clearly something wrong with them. So, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, way too many episodes. They're they're mm-hmm. invested now at this point. That's great. So, mm-hmm. uh, today I am drinking a Goose Island Beer Co. Hazy Bear Hug Beer Hug. Ooh. Ooh. Um, How is it? It's pretty good. I didn't expect it to be this tall. No. So. It's good. Yeah, right. I thought it was just a beer, and then I, I opened the fridge at my local gas station. <laughs> Who would have thought? Best selection of beer in my area is a gas station. <laughs> but it's pretty good. Awesome. Well, this week I have, um, from this great state of Texas, uh, out of False Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills, um, a Ralphie Runs Wild, a barrel-aged imperial stout, um, 17 months aged in... Stranahan's barrels, uh, with the adjuncts being Ugandan vanilla beans. It is delightful. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You pre-poured it, too? You know it's special. I poured it. I need, I need this to, to grow on me. <laughs> you need to ruminate a little bit? Sit, yes. around, the, sit around the area? Yep. Just, let, just okay. let it, you know, sit. This is a sipping beer. This is going to... I'm going to sip on this for... Quite some time. I actually have the non-barrelage coming for the wedding. So get excited, Marcus. Oh, I'm already excited. I'm yes. I am the uh Jeffrey, you didn't know, I am the best man of this wedding. Oh wow. So I get to craft the best speech. By the way, thinking about it yesterday. Oh man. Oh no. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be some some good times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Uh, mm. are, are you drinking anything today, Jeff? Uh, sadly, I'm drinking a Diet Coke. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> it's it, is, it is delicious. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm not enjoying the adult beverages quite yet. Anytime the park is bustling with activity or team members, I just wait until the evening to make sure everyone is home nice and safe before I begin my festivities. This time of year, although the gates are shut at the moment, there's lots of activity and park transformation that's going on in a few weeks to create the Next seasonality of magic. Gotcha. Awesome. Diet Coke it is for me. I love it. Right? <laughs> no, nothing wrong with it. You got responsibilities. My kids are in bed, so my responsibilities went to sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> besides my wife, she'll yell at me. But you know, like, that's just that's a that's a Tuesday, really. Wait, what day is it? It's Wednesday. Okay, it is. Wednesday. Um, <laughs> speaking of, just to dive right into it, Jeff. Um, the park. So you've been at Fiesta Texas for a hot minute now. Um, just dive into a little bit of, of what your day-to-day looks like. How does your day just kind of form together from, from when you wake up? What do you come in and do? Because we, 
uh, we were talking before we started, obviously, that we came for a stumble last year, mm-hmm. had a phenomenal time. By the way, rave reviews across the board. Every single person that was there absolutely loved that visit to Fiesta. Um, and we appreciated everything, that the, the walk-back tour and everything else that, that happened that day. It turned out to be one of the best stumbles that we've ever had as a, as a coaster club. So uh, yet yet again, thank you. I know we've said it a few times. But, um, absolutely so, our pleasure, no doubt. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what does uh, you know, what does your day-to-day just look like on, on, a, on an average day? Well, it's hard to believe that I've been with Six Flags now since 2012. Talk about time going by fast and being park president since 2016. <clears throat> My day-to-day is just looking at a variety of different platforms to find out really what the heck our guests are doing and what do they want us to do next. So it, some of those are spreadsheets. Some of those are guest satisfaction reports. It's social media engagement. It's just my job really is to determine what's the story the numbers are telling and what are the next steps to continue to entertain our guests like never before. But it truly is just that it's, like, like when you guys come, it's it's talking with our guests, it's having fun with our guests, it's listening to what they have to say, and then turning that because turning it into action. Because at the end of the day, that's my job. I'm a caretaker, and I'm here to make the park better than I inherited it, and make it easier to operate and run. Hopefully, more fun for our guests. But at the end of the day, it's just this is what our guests want. So we come up with plans to build and get done what our guests want to see and us to do. I love it. That's awesome. And I mean, so you said you started with Six Flags in uh, 2012. What led you to make that change? And where did you get your start? When did you decide that you wanted to be in this industry and just kind of take us through the beginnings and how you got to where you are now? Well, my my secret is I'm a fellow enthusiast. So I've known my entire life that this is is. what I wanted to do. (laughs) My backyard, I used to pretend was an amusement park and Used all my Lego sets to create log flumes and roller coasters and crazy <laughs> wagon rides, pretend they were antique car rides. So I've always known this is what I wanted to do. So when I was looking for a school, back in the day, there really wasn't any type of theme park degree or hospitality degree that you could really get. Where now there's the University of Central Florida actually has a great theme park program. The University of Bowling Green in Ohio has got a great program. So I basically try to find some type of theme park, marketing, business, entertainment degree. And the closest I could find was at the University of Cincinnati. So that's what brought me to Cincinnati was going to UC. And and a lot of my professors actually used to work and helped open Kings Island. So they were able to craft a lot of my education to not only the fun of entertainment, but also the business side of it, truly understanding the financial side of running an entertainment business and the legal, the ethics side. So uh, that led to an internship with a company called Jack Rouse and Associates, which Jack Rouse and Associates located in Cincinnati actually opened, helped uh, open Kings Island and then started designing and building theme parks and attractions around the world. I was their first intern. And when I was hired as their intern, they were finishing up two projects. One was for Dollywood, the Heart Song Theater, which was a really <laughs> cool experience. And the other one, I was responsible for filing blueprints of this brand new park that was getting ready to open. And I remember thinking, wow, these blueprints are so cool. Here's a train ride that goes through this quarry wall. And they have this big wood coaster that goes all around the quarry. And here it was, I was responsible for filing all the blueprints for Fiesta, Texas. Which, <laughs> wow. Back then I'm like, this is just a cool concept. <laughs> wow. when, I, 
when I was there, I was hired by a family-owned and operated music park called Americana, which is formerly also the Swordsville Lake in Middletown, Ohio, and worked for them for three years in a full-time position. So I was hired. Really, I never had a seasonal job in the industry. I was always hired right away as a, a full-time person. So I was hired as a manager that oversaw a lot of the operations and group sales and marketing. When I was there, I was recruited. Disney was looking to add more entertainment into their sports lineup. So I was actually recruited by Anaheim Sports, which had the Mighty Ducks, the Angels, and at that time, the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks as a franchise and actually helped open the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, which was at the historic Cincinnati Gardens for several years. When I was there, I was recruited by Kings Island. So that's when I moved over to Paramount's Kings Island back in the day and helped expand the Paramount brands and licensing with Drop Zone Stunt Tower and Face Off, Son of East, Tomb Raider the Ride, a whole bunch of classic rides that are now gone. Down toward yeah, and they're gone. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But when I was there, I got I was actually uh, on a Niapa board with a woman by the name of Sherry Bramwell, and Sherry worked for Schlitterbahn Water Parks, and Schlitterbahn was getting ready to expand in other markets outside of Texas and even potentially globally. So they were recruiting and looking for some new marketing folks to help kind of lead that charge. So I moved to the great state of Texas from Paramount and had a great ride at Schlitterbahn. Then when I was at Schlitterbahn, Six Flags was exiting from bankruptcy. And a lot of the old Paramount Park folks that I worked with came on over to Six Flags to begin running Six Flags and what we know of, of in many ways today. So they recruited me to come and be the marketing director at Fiesta Texas. And then that led to the appointment to become park president in 2016. And the rest is crazy theme park history and fun from there. <laughs> so that's the Cliff's Notes version. Is Cliff's Notes <laughs> even a thing? I don't even know if they still but that's oh, the version of, of my career. Oh, we are we are old enough to remember. Clearly. Yes, so absolutely. Some of our listeners may not be, but oh yeah, not that we ever used them. We just bought the books and then just left them to gather dust. I don't know if that's just yeah. me doing that, but hundred percent. Yeah, I wasted so much money on books that I did not need. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, great expectations going way back in high school. <laughs> I read that book and I got the Cliff Notes. That's the one time I used that book or a Cliff Notes book because I could not at that time just sit there and process all of the words in that book. Wow, that just brought me back and that was a totally <laughs> like I had I totally forgot that memory and now it's back in my head. I'm like, cool. That's that's in there now. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I remember those were the days. Oh, great. <laughs> um so great. I had no idea. Um that you were such an Ohio guy, so you know, I'm born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, what, what part? It was on the northeast side. So my hometown park was Jog Lake. We lived about 20 minutes from Jog Lake in SeaWorld of Ohio. And we used to go back to Cedar Point almost every year, and we used to go to Conneaut Lake quite often, Waldemere Park. So, uh, do you know where I'm from, Jeff? No, where are you from? I'm from Youngstown. Ah, oh, beautiful Youngstown. <laughs> I live in the Camp Park. Oh, yeah. No, I adore. My parents love to go to Nidora. Um, my, uh, uh, I live in Canton right now. Okay. So uh, right by the Hall of Fame. And then um, I used to live in Columbus. I'm born and bred and raised Ohio man. So I had no idea you were from uh, the Cleveland area. Hey, look at that. Yep, my whole oh. family still lives there except us. <laughs> well, I'll drop my line. I work in Hudson. So if you tell me to drop my line, I'll, I'll drop my line. Oh, the Hudson Haunted House. It's okay. Legit. 
It's incredible. We went there as a um, as a company, and uh, I I stood by the sidelines. I was not going to go. <laughs> I was like, I'm all right. But yeah, that that haunted house is it is from what the locals say, it's not as great as it once was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, sure safety. Oh yeah, he's like, hey, we probably need to change some things here. Yes, not it was, as yes, it was legendary. It was definitely <laughs> one of the earlier onslaughts in the haunt industry. Yeah, Ohio has. Well, I, I forget what graphic I found. They have the most per capita um, haunted houses in the nation, which is and not Ohio. that this has anything to do with this podcast, but to this day, my favorite haunted attraction is still in Ohio at the Haunted Hollow in Wilmington. Ooh. If you have not seen or heard of this thing, you just need to Google the Haunted Hollow in Wilmington because it's truly unbelievable. It's the, it is just over the top crazy where you ride in a school bus with the top removed and the bus is hit by semis with flames shooting out of them. It sounds like it's like this, that, that can't no, it, it and bulldozers pick up the back of the bus and drop it and push you up hills and stuff. It is just unbelievable. This like, seems... how can this exist? Wow. There it this is. Just, just right there. I, I found a picture. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my oh. goodness. That sounds absolutely wild. And, and the first might... time you go, you're like, that semi just rammed this bus. And then, then they, then they, the bus just goes full throttle, starts racing through the woods with semis chasing you. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Who could do this? And yet, <laughs> here it goes. It exists every year. Yeah, I'm. It, I might. So the logo from this website, by the way, um, is a is. Uh, 2000s gif of a haunted bus tempted to make that the logo for the show this week. I'm not going to lie to you because it's, it's this is a straight out of 2000s website and I absolutely yep. love it. That's <laughs> oh, so man. great. Yeah, I just found the Facebook page. That's that's incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, hey, look who's visiting. Nice of you to join us. Oh my gosh, it's so good talking with you guys. I look forward to joining you next time again. Let me know. (laughs) Darn, I missed it. Welcome to the party. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, well, we'll just let Mark catch up as as we keep going here. But um, (laughs) we'll just... We'll just let you, Mark. What are you drinking? Let's let's just get, yeah. get you caught up real quick. All right, so I am drinking to nobody's surprise whatsoever. A Bell's Oberon. You can't really see that. There we go. There we Turn go. Turn on the light. Turn on the light, Mark. <laughs> oh yeah, I should be respectable. Turn I the lights. I could do that. We're a professional podcast. What are we doing? I mean, <laughs> professional. <laughs> what are you talking about? Quote, unquote, professional. Wow. <laughs> light. All right, I'm bathed in light now. There you go. All right, now we got to wait for the first sip. Get it, get it up. Let's go. I mean, it's Oberon. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, so, Jeffrey, um, when you took over as park president in 2016, um, what were some of the first things that you wanted to bring to the park? What changes did you want to make? What was something that you were really excited to bring uh, just kind of that fresh air to? Well, Six Flags Fiesta Texas has great bones. Again, it was built by the same people that designed Kings Island and the Tap Broadcasting Parks being built by Jack Rouse and uh, Forick. And the first step was really just reigniting the storytelling of the park, being a fellow enthusiast and fan. What do we love next after rides and attractions? 
theming. Theming always ranks extremely high. So it was <clears throat> just going area by area and reigniting the storytelling that the park was originally designed for and to clean it up and to make sure then from a master planning standpoint, we were hitting on those themes. The first kind of stake in the ground to set the tone with our team was to paint our train, Miss Kitty. Miss Kitty had not been painted since the park opened in 92, oh, wow. and she looked like it. So the first thing we did, like, you know, we, we're painting this thing. We're going to make the train look spectacular. She needs to look loved because everyone sees mm-hmm. it. It's the most written attraction in the park. And that was the first thing that we did together. But then it was light pole to light pole, bench to bench, train station to train station, ride to ride, just going through and reigniting the theming and cleaning up the storytelling. And then starting to pick rides and attractions that are meaningful to our guests and offer a really nice variety of different broad thrill, big thrill, family thrill, just trying to hit on all cylinders to make sure that the park also remains extremely well-rounded. And that really began with the theming, storytelling, adding landscaping back to the park, fixing the park's audio system, and just those theme park 101 fundamentals yeah. that we know matters. It's hard for research in some of these aspects to show that, hey, by painting these rails, it matters. By painting the train, it matters. By adding flowers, it matters. By adding more seating, it matters. But as we know as guests, <clears throat> those are all things that absolutely do matter and help sell tickets again for the future. Yeah, I would definitely say that as as we've gotten older, uh, we've noticed that really, really um, emphatically. And I think, to, I mean, at least to me, my first couple of visits to IAPA, I realized, well, I started to learn more about the industry, right? So I'm not, like, you, you've been doing this for a hot minute. I, I, I'm from Ohio, lived in Ohio, but, um, you know, I didn't know the background about a lot of stuff. But once I my career started to become a career, right, I started to learn some of that type of stuff. And then understanding what you guys go through, it gives... I think all of us a whole different viewpoint because, you know, a par- other parks out there may not emphasize it like Fiesta mm-hmm. does. Uh, and and I, th- I feel you could you could just tell Th- there's a reason everybody likes to go to Fiesta, Texas is because I feel uh, at least from my visit because of the theming. And that's not brown, by the way. We say on here often how much we love Fiesta Texas. You guys and um, New England are definitely one of the two best just parks that you don't need to go Magic Mountain or Great Adventure with just giant rides everywhere. You're going to get good rides that are themed well, that operate well all the time, and you're going to have a good time. And that's really mm-hmm. what, what you got at the park, which is which is fantastic. Well, thank you. That is great to hear because, again, we always remind ourselves that not everybody wants to ride a King to Cup. Yeah. And for some of our guests, our new Kid Flash Coaster is their King to Cup. That is the biggest thrill they want to do. So we need to make sure that we're always building rides and attractions for our guests, not for us. Because if it was truly built for me, you know, we'd have it would just be nothing but coasters. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we are building rides and attractions that our guests want to go on and making sure that it's a broad collection, that it doesn't become too narrow. Because we do want the whole family to come together. There's no doubt you be, you build a big thrill ride. Teens and young adults would definitely come. But mm-hmm. we don't want mom and dad just to drop them off. We would prefer that mom and dad's actually coming in with them because they want to see the shows and entertainment. They want to ride the train or they want to go on, for example, next year our new monorail ride that we're adding. Or they want to see the big nighttime fireworks that we mm-hmm. continue to add more for our nighttime spectaculars. Or, again, just walk around and eat some delicious food and have some fun and get their adult beverage of choice and – Keep walking around the park and do other fun stuff. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll get the next question. 
what were some of the challenges with shifting to a full year calendar model uh, or just the, the shifting market of, you know, just Texas amusement parks and the growing competition, especially in the San Antonio area? Well, believe it or not, we actually wanted to do it. We were the one back in the day pitching our corporate team saying, oh, my gosh, we should be open year round. And at that time, there were no year round parks. So when we mm-hmm. launched, it became a year round operation. We were the first theme park in the state to be open from a year round basis. And we knew the business was there. And also it, it really helped a whole variety of things. One, now it makes it a much more full time opportunity for our team members because mm-hmm. now they're working year round. So instead of having to remove everybody and then hire everybody back in and then retrain and retrain. Now it just allows us to keep a much more elevated team member because they're always working and it just helps offer a more consistent job experience where now they're not having to look for a second job or looking for a job because we were closed for six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Because again, no one can just say, Oh, okay, I'll just not work for six to eight weeks and, <laughs> and then I'll come back. Right. <laughs> so they had they had to find something. And in that case, we would lose a lot of great people because they're like, Well, I'm already doing this and it pays a little bit more, so I'm just gonna stay doing this, I'm not gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Where now we were able to keep our team. So what was interesting is there really weren't a lot of challenges. The the one thing was just to get for our team in the cadence of we now do ride rehabs all year round, which overall actually makes it easier because our team now is just we take off a train from the Iron Rattler, we work on it for six weeks, put that back on, take off another ride unit, work on that, put it back. So our team is just constantly in that rehab mode where before it was, oh my gosh, we got to cram all this stuff in and try to get it all done. Now mm-hmm. it's, we're just constantly doing it. And the other part's construction, just like Disney or Universal Studios. It just offers a little bit different where we have construction fencings up and our guests actually love seeing the construction going on while they're there. So they don't mind at all seeing the cranes and ride parts going in and track flying in. So it's been also fun for our guests because it pulls back the curtain and they get to see all of those things in real time. They get to see our team putting in new plants and painting rides and attractions, painting and adding landscaping. And like right now they're watching all the bright fest decor leave all the holiday in the park go in. And then as we begin January, they watch all the holiday in the park go out, all the Mardi Gras go in. <laughs> So they're become uh, much more engaged in our experience as well. So there's lots of really cool intrinsic win-win-win situations. Mm -hmm. On the other side, it's just getting the team up and running with that new cadence. But Mm -hmm. once we did, it's been very, very good and actually kind of helps even out the workload throughout the entire year. That's really nice. And that sounds really organic too, just the – the, the way things are happening in, in front of the public eye, it, it's it, it's not trying to hide it behind a curtain like a lot of other parks do where, oh, everything's planted already and looks pristine by the time opening day rolls around. So it's well, a really interesting is, perspective. Is the enthusiast in me and many of my coworkers because we love construction as well. And <laughs> so do our guests. Our guests love construction. So they love watching Cliffhanger go up piece by piece and coming out and seeing it. And same with Kid Flash. And no doubt mm-hmm. as we – now literally move construction fencing over to another part of our park this week as we begin construction for our 2024 attractions. They love watching, seeing how rides get assembled and the parts going in and big theming going up and building a monorail station and watching the monorail track going up and then these cool Art Deco trains coming on. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all things that we showcase. We don't try to hide. And that's why we also do our FT92 fan event to really just share with our team and our guests, all the inner workings of behind the curtain, which we as enthusiasts love. And so do all of our guests. Our guests love it just as much as we do. All right. 
And so you mentioned, you know, pulling the curtain back. And that's one thing that, you know, I think all of us kind of had our attention turned to and like everyone kind of was like, hey, what's going on at Fiesta Texas is when you came in, it seemed like you were pulling that curtain back on social media and really showing the inner workings of the park more so of, hey, you know, we don't have a big capital investment, but we're redoing all these different aspects of the park. Where was, was that something that you wanted to do, you know, just as yourself as an enthusiast and be that transparent of, hey, this is what we have going on? Or where did that idea stem from of really just opening up yourself and the park of here's the inner workings, here's how it's going? Well, it, as you guys know, and as we talked, it's it's all about our guests. And what a great way just to let our guests know what we're doing for them in an ongoing basis. Because again, being the fellow enthusiast, these are things that I love as well. Because again, I don't want to walk around our park and see our poor guests eating off of trash cans. And you go around through the industry. And even when I was at some destination parks, they're doing a food festival. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these guests are eating this high quality food festival stuff on a trash can. It's like, we, we all can do better. So touting that we've added hundreds of new tables in just the past year, a thousand pieces of furniture, all those things do matter. And, and truly, if you guys come back and visit this year versus last year, you'll see that there's just park benches, tables, chairs, areas to relax under shade everywhere. Which again, so this way, if you're buying our festival food, you got a nice place to sit, you got a place to relax and enjoy it. So the whole reason that I share what we do is because our guests and us and myself, we like that insider scoop. We like to see what is going on in the inner working. So if you follow me on Facebook or even our fan sites or Twitter and Instagram, you'll see like today, for example, now that we're transitioning to Holland the Park, I started showcasing some of our concept art for our new Christmas Carol show that's coming. And we'll start showing more behind the scenes of that, that, hey, look at, here's what the engineering documents look like when you're building a new stage show. And Here's some original music that our cast and team is working on that's composed for this new show. And begin just to show those layers of all that it goes into these different types of production. And in hopes someday there, you know, these will be things that kind of spark the next generation. Mm-hmm. Because one of my jobs as a caretaker is really to make sure that the next generation can do all this better than I can. So the more that I could pull back the curtain and show folks, hey, here's hopefully we are sparking that interest and excitement of the next generation that thinks, oh, my gosh, that's fun. I would like to do that. I would like to be a park president or a marketing director or operations or an entertainment or events to get the next generation excited about running these facilities even better than, than we are. I'm sure it's a great question, but I cannot hear. <laughs> I, I, I can't would, hear I was sitting here curious. <laughs> Holy muted. I, I was sitting here. I was like, I wonder, did my audio just cut out? Right. I'm staring at Marcus's mouth moving. I'm like, <laughs> I muted to clear my throat and did not unmute. Could and we're definitely it? leaving that in. 100%. No, that's good. <laughs> we are we top notch quality. Top notch. Um, <laughs> we'll just bounce to the next. I was, I said something and I forget what it is already. Um, so, so, uh, we've seen a lot of, um, great rise that, and concepts that have started at Fiesta. Has that been something that you guys have aimed for with, you know, like with Wonder Woman and, and Kid Flash and Dr. Diabolical being new, different types of either existing or just brand new, right? With Wonder Woman and, and Kid Flash uh, types of rides. Is that something you guys aim for when you're it, looking it for is. rides? And I, 
my entire career, I've, I've really been fortunate enough to understand and see and witness the importance of building prototypes. There's lots of leaders and parks that do not like prototypes because it it's a prototype. So you really don't know if it's going <laughs> to truly work or deliver. But it, And it does take more energy, more planning. It just takes more and more and more to deliver prototypes, but it also is that risk-reward. It's mm-hmm. that unique opportunity. So at Fiesta Texas, we have had some really fun, innovative prototypes that we've debuted, not only from the coaster standpoint, but from services, amenities, flat rides. So if you think about our Daredevil Dive, it was a ride that we commissioned with Zamperla, the first super air race. As you talked about, Wonder Woman, Batman the Ride. Batman was the world's first of its kind. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, first of its kind. Cliffhanger, first of its kind for the company. First time that B&M was willing to go beyond vertical, which, again, you know, asking those questions, would they be willing <laughs> to go beyond vertical for the first time in their entire history? And they said yes. I mean, those are great things of symbiotic trust, knowing that mm-hmm. we will deliver on our end, they will deliver on their end, and really just push the envelopes. Our SNS tower ride was the first combo tower ever built. And I can go on and on with the different innovations, including our new E6 facility that we built inside the park, which is our esports facility. First time a theme park has actually built an esports facility inside of a theme park. Hmm. Our Coca-Cola VIP lounge, different events and festivals, Mardi Gras. These are all things that Fiesta Texas has said, hey, we would like the opportunity to help pioneer and see if we can blaze a trail forward. And these would be good initiatives for the company. And we can share great key learnings. So the, and, and again, our Kid Flash is another example with Kid Flash is the world's first of its kind. And um, it's a great ride experience for our, our thrill seekers and non-thrill seekers alike. I love and, it. And you mentioned uh, Mardi Gras and seeing the different events that have come in. So I recently moved out of the state of Texas. I, I lived there for about five and a half years. I, I relocated to Pennsylvania this past summer. Um, when I moved there... I was in the Dallas area and, you know, it's a five hour drive without traffic down to Fiesta, Texas, but I would always (laughs) want to go there because of the different events going on. And especially Wonder Woman, when that opened, I was there the second weekend it opened. I was really excited about it. Don't even get this man started on Wonder Woman. (laughs) By the way, the title of our very first episode was about Wonder Woman. Yep. (laughs) That that was actually, yeah, I I went and wrote it for our first episode. So, um, you know, Fiesta Texas is a great park, and I've always loved it. And seeing the events have come out and now starting to see it trickle out, um, was that another thing? Was that you pushing these events, your team pushing this event, or was it like more the corporate side trying to say, hey, throw this at the wall, see if it sticks, and kind of go from there? A a lot of the events specifically when we went year-round, we pitched to help bolster the notoriety of the year park to begin with. Because there's risk in opening in January and February. There's less risk if you open in January, February with a new signature event. Mm-hmm. So it was kind mm-hmm. of our, our pitch to say, hey, we believe this can really grow and become a new signature time of year, just like we've seen during Fright Fest and Hot in the Park. So our team is crazy enough that we're like, hey, we, we think we could do more work and redecorate <laughs> the entire park. And <laughs> in two weeks, our guests will love it. And having the parade produced by Kern Studios, and now it's a time of the year where our guests look forward to because it's typically sunny, it's cooler, it's beautiful out. The park is all decorated for Mardi Gras. It's got its own food festival. It's got its own entertainment. It has its own house of voodoo, haunted attraction that our guests walk through. So it hits on a whole variety of cylinders based on our guest feedback. 
but we love it. We love the fact that it constantly is keeping the park fresh because once Mardi mm-hmm. Gras is over, then we go to spring break. Then the water park is opening. We go to our summer big nighttime fireworks shows. Then we're getting ready to for 4th of July, which we do fireworks 360 on top of the Cory Wall, which is really gaining more momentum and notoriety throughout the region as a, oh my gosh, you won't believe that they blow up the entire Cory for 4th <laughs> of July and New Year's Eve. Um, it's just a spectacular in itself. And then we're getting ready for Fright Fest, Oktoberfest, Moo Fest, Veterans Day, Holiday in the Park, and then Step and Repeat. So it's it gives us an opportunity to constantly keep the park looking fresh. Mm-hmm. And for our guests, not only does it look fresh, but it gives you a great reason to visit. Because, again, mm-hmm. Mardi Gras lasts six weeks. So if you want to come and see Mardi Gras, it can't be extended. It's not like, oh, we're going to extend it to <laughs> April and May. It's No, it's, right. it's going to go away, just like Fright Fest and just like Holiday in the Park. If you enjoy these events, it gives you a reason, to, which we refer to as thrills of all season, that you mm-hmm. just want to keep hopefully coming right. back, coming back. And then you're like, well, I just should buy a season pass because we're going to these things. <laughs> right. And, and something that I thought was, you know, ingenious was doing screen break and having, you know, that haunt aspect in spring break. It's like that just works so perfectly. How did nobody ever think of that before? So, yeah, why well, only do this in October? <laughs> right. Why only do this in October? People clearly love haunted attractions. So it, it, when, when that was announced last year, I was like, that just makes too much sense. <laughs> it just makes too much sense for to do that. So. It is a lot of fun because Halloween is so popular. Mm-hmm. And that's why for us, when we have Mardi Gras, we added the House of Voodoo attraction because mm-hmm. our guests do love it. And that's why it was then layered in also during spring break because spring break is an extremely busy time. It's actually our single busiest week of the entire year. So what a great way of also introducing a great fan base to your haunted house product. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Hopefully not only do they enjoy screen break, but now it's like, oh my gosh, maybe we should come back and make the trip in September, October to do all of Fright Fest. Because if this is what they do for Scream Break, oh my gosh, I can only imagine what it's like for Halloween. Ooh. See, now, now you got me wanting to fly down to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not an expensive flight. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> so you mentioned esports, and you know, th- this is kind of a trend that's happening industry wide. And uh, I mean, I guess I just don't quite understand it yet, but is it like a, is it like a demographics thing or what are some of the insights behind uh, why, why esports is becoming a, a trend in the amusement industry? Well, there, there's no doubt we, we were the first on the front end to figure out what our guests want. And there's a variety of reasons. One, if you were to do a Venn diagram of esports and theme parks, they do overlap significantly in the middle. So one is we're constantly looking for amenities, rides, attractions, and services that the entire family can do. Now, if you do have a gamer at home and it's like, well, we're all going to Six Flags where the gamer may stay back. Now it's, hey, well, they have the E6 Lounge, which in there there's 50 of the most state-of-the-art PCs, on Planet Earth, the 5v5 competition stage. Mm. We've got a really cool lounge area with wireless chargers, We've got a full bar in the E6 area, its own restrooms, now we're, there it is. retail area, <laughs> and it's got a council area. So if you have not looked at the actual photos of E6 or the renderings of E6, it opened Memorial Day, and it's a heavily thematic experience designed by gamers for gamers. So, again, that's one aspect is it really does overlap with our theme park audience, plus the demand for events and activities has been extremely significant with the amount of 
organizations and companies are really looking for some unique place to host a game. <clears throat> because if you think about the sporting facilities that are currently out there, what do you do at those other facilities between gameplay? You're sitting and waiting or you're going to a food truck and then you have to wait until your next game comes up. Well, obviously in our world, if you're, if your competition just ended and the next competition doesn't begin for three hours for you, Oh my gosh, look at all the stuff you have to do. Rides and attractions, go have fun, see shows, play games. Three hours will go by in the blink of an eye. And then you can go and continue playing games, which is exactly what it is. The other cool thing that has also happened is it really has helped fulfill the digital divide. I'm sure you've seen in the news or heard stories. There's just there's just folks that do not have access to technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the great news is okay. a lot of our guests, this is the first time that they're able to ever be on a computer this powerful because it's not, mm. oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get five to $6,000 to buy a computer? Now it's for $7.50 or $10, I can play with my friends for the first time. They've been playing online forever. Mm-hmm. Now I can actually enjoy and play with them. So we oh, are right. seeing regulars mm-hmm. that come in that have never had the opportunity to play with their friends, and now they're enjoying that social experience, and it happens to be inside of our theme park. Yeah, I guess you can buy a lot of season passes for the price of a computer. <laughs> you sure can. Very, very true. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, this is I, – I was just looking up the the the, which, the pricing guy and everything got in here. I like it. I'm, I'm going to go just for this next time. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of, of, of things, crazy things that have happened and, and, and challenges, um, we the, f- the f- first time I ever went was uh, before your tenure there. But uh, the last time we tried to go was the first time we ever uh, tried to have a, a Buzz Bars event. And uh, it was the day of the legendary snowstorm, if you remember that, that from right. years ago. Yeah. Um, what what was that? like for you that from 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 a from a management standpoint from um really everything that was going on in the world at the time too right we were still in the middle of pandemic um what was that like for you from a leadership standpoint to to try to navigate not only that storm which was you know a, almost a once in a generation type deal but also trying to manage a park with people in it and all that stuff well it was like living in cleveland all over again <laughs> 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 the, the challenge that we had was the, infra, the the fortunate thing is the infrastructure was built really, really good. The disappointing part was, as you may recall, uh, Texas as a whole had a hard time keeping up with the energy demand. So mm-hmm. the grid and our local circuits uh, did not withstand the storm. So we did lose power at the park for an extended period of time. And as you can imagine, in Texas, losing your source of heat during a long period of freezing conditions really taxed the infrastructure. Yeah. So we did have to spend significant time, energy and resources fixing, repairing, throwing away, replacing, um, let alone making sure that the team was all taken care of, making sure yeah. that the team was safe. And if they needed resources that our team was out there to help and assist during that time, everything from just supplying fresh water being a water station and a pickup that we worked with local authorities. So for folks that had the water was off, power was off. um, We quickly partnered with our local community resources to be kind of a drop in destination to provide services since we're so close to the interstate and and can do that relatively quick to make sure that people had the, 
water and other resources that they needed to kind of withstand the, the aftermath of the storm itself because it did linger on even though the weather began warming up until power could fully be restored mm-hmm. uh, to the region. Oh. I remember we drove down um, the car full of people and we're like, hey, we probably should get some water. And <laughs> as we got closer to San Antonio, we realized there's no water bottles anywhere to have. Um <laughs> So that man, that was that was a weekend to go there for sure. That was a great, great trip, and that that was kind of the beginning of Buzz Bars in itself. Of you know, we we had this as you know this unprecedented ice storm comes along, and then we still have thirty people who showed up who we still had a great time, and it was like, oh, we can do this outside of the park. Let's just do it at parks too, and like make a whole thing. And so when we you know, last year made our events, we made sure Fiesta Texas was on there because we're like, we need to get here properly <laughs> and actually get to the park this time rather than stare at the park as we drive by um, <laughs> and really have a great time. And, and, you know, once again, kudos to you and your team last year. It was such a great experience doing the quarry walk. Um, that was one of those things Marcus and I were like, man, this, is this real life right now? Like we're walking up on the quarry <laughs> wall, looking at everything, all the great picture opportunities. I mean, definitely made that an incredible experience and just to think it all started with an ice storm that you know you guys were leading the area trying to distribute goods and services for people who didn't have it It, it's just an awesome thing to hear and see and hopefully we never have to do it again exactly (laughs) we were glad to do it but hopefully never again (laughs) yes As as a man from Ohio, I hope you don't, because it snowed here today, Mark. uh, Yes, I saw all the Halloween pictures. A lot of my friends posting snow, and (laughs) like, oh, I remember those days. Yep. What's the temp down there right now? Uh, We are a very cold San Antonio (laughs) sixty, which our normal high right now is still in the low eighties, typically. So when we get to sixties, like tonight, is supposed to drop into the forties. For Texans, that is that's winter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, by this weekend, we're back in the low 80s. So I was going to say your peak winter right now. It's you've got that 36 hour window where it's cold, and then it's it's back to you know <laughs> weather again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this is our version of summer in Ohio. This is when everyone spends out time outside because it's so pretty. The skies mm-hmm. are perfect blue. Very little rain. 80s, upper 70s. So this is when everyone is outside. And then the summer comes, and it's like winter in Ohio because everyone stays inside to try to avoid the heat for the most part. And if there was no air conditioning in Texas, no one would live here. Right. And, I would never know. <laughs> right. And that's, you know, specifically we choo- we have chosen for our Texas events to be in the fall slash wintertime. You know, this time we were here, we were there literally this time last year for that exact reason of – it's literally the best time to visit. You don't go to, you don't visit Texas between October or from April to October. Don't go. If you, if you don't live in the area, don't go. That's kind of the, the mantra that, you know, I grew up with of don't come visit. Wait till October, November. It'll actually be nice. Then. You'll love it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I do. I do miss, uh, I do miss Texas. I will say that's why water parks are gold in Texas. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to, you know, pivot because this past summer in Texas was one of the hottest in recent memory, Um, just in terms of, you know, the park is 
trying to keep guests in there when the weather is so extreme and you know you guys have have water rides but was it more so and i guess kind of looking forward is that something a emphasis for the park with the you know increasing temperatures it lasting a little longer are you guys looking at more you know hydro water attractions that can accommodate everyone what was kind of the mindset with water attractions of more water park based or where's it looking it our, the priority has really been adding air conditioning mm-hmm. even more Just so the guys than is great yes yeah. <laughs> on completely hot days our guests do not like getting drenched mm-hmm. they love gully washer still and they love mm-hmm. bugs but beyond that they would much rather have air-conditioned experiences. So that's why we enclosed Poltergeist. That's why when we were building Cliffhanger, it has a good section of its queue indoors. That's why when we built the Joker, the Joker's got a fun house indoors. Not only these fun thematic opportunities, but selfishly, it's a great way to keep our guests cool without just saying, hey, you're inside because we want to keep you cool so you stay longer. (laughs) We uh, entertain them while we're keeping them cool because we want them to stay longer. And that's also one of the reasons that we're adding our signature nighttime shows and some other things to, because the nighttime hours are much more spectacular and cooler. It's a fun time to visit. But if you look at our strategy, it has been adding, that's why we're adding more benches. That's why we're adding more seating, more shade, more tables and chairs with umbrellas. That's why we have expanded the water park itself. Because again, during the day, what a great way to beat the intensity of the summer heat. It starts cooling off and then you go to our rides, which Although you walk between the rides, but now a lot of them are air conditioned, like Cliffhanger, where we go through this series of rooms, or even our flat rides, like what we did at uh, Daredevil Dive. Made sure that while you're waiting in the queue, air is always blowing on you. You're completely in the shade. It's not just a shade structure, it's truly a impervious, you are getting maximum <laughs> shade mm-hmm. protection. And even in Cliffy's outdoor queue, it's not just shade cloth or shade structures. So this way you are completely shaded with fans blowing on you to try to keep our guests as cool, as comfortable as we can while they're moving around the facility. Yeah. And that, that makes a huge difference because that heat really wears you out. Yeah. It could be a toaster oven. Yeah. You, you talk about a lot of things like that, just the small things that really keep things um, great for the guests. Um, the two things that I know recently is, is well, obviously with, um, Kit Flash, you're, you're adding to a, a newer, great ride to, uh, for your younger demographic, but also, um, upgrading Wonder Woman, uh, a ride that as, as, uh, Mike said to much acclaim and to his <laughs> glory and happiness, uh, which is a phenomenal ride, um, up, upgrading with, with, with RMC. What has that process been like for you? Did, did they reach out to you first or was that a, uh, you reached out to them to see what, what could be done as, as they started adding new machines out there? We, we talked about prototypes a little bit. When we opened Wonder Woman, we knew she was going to need lots of love because it was a prototype. There were some challenges that we experienced where primarily what we call consumables, which are, which are parts of roller coaster or any ride or mechanical device where that part does wear out in a certain <laughs> span. So we look at rides based on the consumables. There were parts designed on Wonder Woman that should have last seasons, and we were getting 30 days worth of life out of them because <laughs> of just the overall ride experience. So we, we very much have been having that conversation with RMC from the beginning of we need a better path forward because our team was spending a lot of time like a pit crew constantly rotating parts, adding parts, removing parts, 
And it was by far the most labor intensive ride that we had in the park to keep it running because we had the moving station. So the ride was getting great throughput, great capacity, and we were exacerbating it versus a great America, which didn't do the moving station. So they were experiencing our challenges months behind us because of the capacity difference uh, that we were able to get between the, the rides and experiences. So when Darren, um, who's the new owner of RMC, came on board, uh, we immediately approached them again and said, hey, we, we really do need to revisit this for a variety of reasons. And now that everyone feels comfortable with the second generation train design, how do we move forward in coming up with a ride that is uh, enhanced guest experience and also, more importantly, get the ride to the capacity that we know it can be? Because we were having, just with the amount of parts and fabrication, and because it was a first-generation train, the second-generation train designs are different. So the RMC, the manufacturer, was not keeping components available for us. So anytime we needed a new component, we had to wait for it to be manufactured, hmm. and then they would have to ship it. And that by the time that would go on, we would already need more parts. And they could they literally could not produce the parts fast enough, which led us to only being able to maintain a two-train operation versus a three-train operation. And when we're talking eight seats, as you can imagine, we need all three trains working in peak condition over and over again. And then we wanted additional enhancements on the comfort collar and just the overall feel of the ride experience from the train standpoint. So we have been working with RMC really since the ride was launched. But most recently, since there's new leadership there, new ownership, uh, the past few years, really coming up with a plan that we're currently executing now where we already did phase one, which was a lot of mechanicals to make sure that we can run a three train operation more effectively, mm-hmm. better brakes, better drive tires, better engagement on the lift, just better, 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 better. And now the second one, which is the more guest centric one, which I think everyone's most excited about, including myself, is getting the three enhanced trains that will come rolling on in early 2024 that would really make the ride experience that much more enjoyable. The comfort collars will feel better on your shoulders. It's just everything about it is a better train design. And, and for our maintenance team, we won't have those ongoing consumables that they have to constantly change out and change out, change out, because it's just physically a, a different vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those, those sort of uh, collaborations, they make the whole industry better. And, you know, uh, tons of people, they, they've they've gone up to ride Stunt Pilot at Silverwood, and they've, they've talked about all the refinements between that uh, that generation of the, the, the coaster versus wonder woman, uh, and, and just how, uh, those refinements could get put back into, into the original prototype of the ride. Um, no, it, it's great. And I'm sure magic mountain and uh, great America or great adventure, uh, and a lot of other parks with the, the, the Raptor models are paying attention and taking notes on what y'all are doing. Well, and a lot of what we're doing is because of the, the second generation train that has been running very successful on those. The advantage that we have is, as you know, the profile of Wonder Woman was designed by the industry great Alan Schilke. So yep. that's why Wonder Woman is just crazier than the other models because Alan didn't design the other models outside of Wonder Woman. So for those of us that love roller coasters, we currently have four Schilkes. In our park, from a collection standpoint, <laughs> which I would imagine is kind of a collection of Alan Schilke attractions for a whole variety of manufacturers, from our Roadrunner Express when he was with an Arrow, to obviously our two RMCs, and then SNS. He really helped and did the original profile for the SNS 40 Free Flyer with our Batman the Ride. So to have four four Schilkes in our collection is <laughs> uh, quite a fun uh, moniker to have. 
And uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask: Can we ever see a fifth Shulky coming to the park? <laughs> well, Alan Alan retired. He's he's actually been retired since pretty much since Wonder Woman. So it would okay. have to take something really special to get Alan out. No doubt, there's lots of great engineers and profilers out there that have really right. left on that legacy and continue to deliver really just great ride experiences. But for Alan himself, I don't know what the project would have to be to convince Alan <laughs> to, to do one more. So, but no doubt, having him do our Iron Rattler and, and Wonder Woman really are a legacy to his testament and vision of what rides can do. Without absolutely, a doubt. absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of Rattler, you, when we were there. You talked about. Um, uh, ramping up the speed of Rattler to really get that bad boy kicking. Um, we did. We actually, when I started one of the, after I painted the train, the other thing that I did as park president was actually call Fred, who at the time was the owner of Rocky Mountain Construction, and saying, why does our lift, you know, was that your request? Was that our request? And he said it was actually the park requested that the Rattler would just creep over the top. So I'm like, you have no concern if we just throw her right over the top. He goes, no. Nope. <laughs> so sent that note. And the next day, we that was the last time that Rattler would creep over the top and go slow. From then on out, we have her running at full speed. And it really did change the ride's dynamics. It really 100%. did make it better. It performs much, much better as designed, being thrown over the top of the hill versus just kind of creeping over the top. Yeah, the, the flow of that ride changed a hundred percent. From I remember our first my my first ride on it, I was I was uh, underwhelmed a little bit, mm. and then last year oh, that became one of my favorite <laughs> RMCs very quickly. Yeah, that, she she has served us very well, and that's why we also invested about the third train. So this way mm-hmm. we could also continue with a two train operation at all times because that train is also a prototype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's no other train on planet Earth that is designed like the Iron Rattler train because although it's a second generation Gerschlauer, the first being a Texas Giant, when they when they created the Iron Rattler train, they really did significant enhancements, improvements. Because originally we thought that that was the train model that was going to roll out as the company was continuing all the RMC conversions, and in fact it turned out to be the last. So we also have the same challenge that Gerschlauer does not maintain any of those ride components on the shelf. So anything we need for the Iron Rattler has to be manufactured and get in line. And some of those components can easily take six months to over a year, depending on what it is. So that was another reason why we bought that third train, to make sure we just have enough parts on hand. And we are constantly ordering stuff now, years in advance, just to keep that pipeline going, making sure that ride is is running like she should. Have you seen more wear and tear since you sped it up? I would see you. You willing someone? Not at all. Not at all. That's so. She is. She is museum quality. And what was so great when we bought the new train and put the new train on? So we had one new train on. We had the train that was ten years old. And a testament to the maintenance team, the the ten year old train felt just as good as the brand new train. All right. Yeah, when you get when you get a ride like that, <laughs> don't be don't be making comments like that, Mark, in the side chat. Uh, <laughs> when you when you get, I will always say this, and I, as as all of us being enthusiasts, when you get a ride that really just pops like that, and you're not holding it back, because I think the biggest disappointments I've ever had is seeing a ride that you're like, ooh, that could be great. <sighs> and, just and for us, the trains really do. Take it up a notch. Mm-hmm. As the trains are comfortable, mm-hmm. that it is one of the few rides of its kind. I don't have to grab the underbelly of the restraint and hold on, kind of reverse. 
Mm-hmm. Because many of the rides I actually have to hold on underneath to take some of the pressure off my legs. So I'm not like, ow! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're going through airtime elements just because Gerschlauer absolutely <laughs> engages with the rider just completely smooth and seamless. And mm-hmm. the train just really rides the rails very seamlessly and perfect. It just, it, it's a win-win-win. The train also uh, rides higher. Not to get into completely nerd conversations with all of us, oh, no, but the train right. actually rides higher <laughs> off the rails than the RMC trains, which does allow for a different maneuverability and feel of how you go into the Heartline, specifically the Heartline mm-hmm. roll. The zero-G mm-hmm. roll, which is actually a uh, deviant or diversion of a zero-G roll because it's not – it's more like a Velocicoaster's roll that's not – completely symmetrical. That's why so it does have different elements to it that make you feel just kind of that floaty feel okay. to it. And that was the first time that Alan had done that for a ride and it, it just delivers. And the fact that obviously you soar up into it also adds some fun mm-hmm. feeling as you go through that zero G roll followed by the, the airtime moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to, you, you mentioned Velocicoaster and I, you know, I think everyone's kind of had a thought of it, but when cliffhanger came about in the locker system, was that and having that pass through locker? Was that directly inspired by Velocicoaster? Because when we all went there for the first time, we were like, "Oh my gosh, why isn't this everywhere?" This is incredible having this option. Was that direct inspiration? Velocicoaster, Steel Vengeance, other rides that began experimenting with pass through lockers, mm-hmm. and we wanted a simple, easy system, kind of like you saw with Velocicoaster. Mm-hmm. So can you just take a barcode? swipe it open, throw your stuff in right before you get on and then come back off and, and do it. it. No doubt it's a really great guest satisfier, especially for folks that don't like or they just physically can't stand leaving their cell phone for an extended period of time. <laughs> this way you're <laughs> dropping it off right before you get on. And this way you're picking it up as soon as you get off. And it also, from an industry perspective, gives us the great excuse if someone does lose a lost article. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> we have a person standing there, 9 million signs and free lockers. And so, <laughs> no, we are not stopping the ride to get your lost item. So mm-hmm. you will wait. Oh, man. People people sometimes can, can really shock you just how, how, uh, how, how I wouldn't say lazy, but it's just one of those things. Like, you know, safety should always be mm-hmm. paramount. Uh, well, it's great to, that our guests use it. That's the other thing that is great to see is our guests actively use it. They love it. We also built bottle holders there. So this way there's a place for them to put their bottle next to the locker and actual cup holders that also are passed through. They come and grab it. So it really has worked out very, very well. And as you can imagine, by us doing all that before the station just helps with the ride's capacity because we're not taking items and moving items and putting stuff on the floor. It just speeds up the load and unload of the actual ride itself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was curious of how much money, because I was scrolling your Twitter because I'm weird. Um, <laughs> how much money you guys spent on your Fourth of July fireworks show? Well, in general, outside of the Walt Disney Company, Fiesta Texas buys more fireworks than any other regional theme park on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so the good news is the reason that we can do our 360 shows and how it becomes affordable is just because we buy so much other fireworks in general. <laughs> or else there is no way we go to do that. It would just be cost prohibitive to do that show New Year's Eve. And then even we did a smaller version of it for the Eclipse. We actually had an Eclipse a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and we launched our drones mm-hmm. and had fireworks off the quarry wall, things that were just loud and crackly during the, the Eclipse and 
Um, we this will coming up for New Year's. This will be the third time on New Year's Eve that we'll have launched the 360 show, and the popularity of it is just growing exponentially. Ooh. I mean, it it is just taking off the social media awareness of it, the organic. Uh, comments that we're getting from the show people are actively seeking it out because it is just when you're standing down there watching the show and you're looking everywhere and fireworks are just going off the music is going crazy the crowd just absolutely goes nuts because there's no one else that does it i mean you, you can't go anywhere to experience that so if you have not seen it i would encourage as many folks as want to come see it new year's eve is the next time we do the 360 show and it really is unbelievable it's one of the few times in my career you actually truly hear a collective gasp. You actually hear the whole crowd just go <gasps> at the at the same time, which is really cool. You know you're doing something good when the whole crowd is gasping at the same time. <laughs> right. All right. I don't know when I'm going to see it, but I'll put it on the list. Oh, yeah. There you go. Hundred percent. Fourth of July, New Year's Eve. Those are your two options. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll figure one of those out. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Here's a question that we didn't have pre-lined up for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Krypton coaster utilizes the quarry wall, you know, has dives off the quarry wall. Is that something that we could ever see again with a future attraction at Fiesta, Texas? Yes. Actually, we have several locations in the park that we've been specifically saving for rides that will interact with the quarry wall. It does add additional complexity to the ride because the limestone is a softer material. So there's additional stability that you have to do depending how you do it. So as we are looking at rides and attractions, specifically like Cliffy, although Cliffy would have been fantastic coming off the quarry wall, the reason that it didn't is we didn't want another ride that was set apart from our guests. We needed to have a ride that our guests can come up close with and interact with Mm. and actually just be part of the story. And that's mm-hmm. why a cliffhanger is where it is because you are just, as a guest, you're all over that ride. You're yeah. watching it from the outside, the queue, you're constantly on the inside. While you're in the indoor queue, there's windows showing you the dive. Once you get out of the indoor queue, then you're right by the helix. So we wanted a ride that really felt intimidating because it was roaring past you the entire time. The downfall of putting it on the quarry wall is we don't have that. We have rides that are what we call separated by an artificial wall. The ride is way back there. And you are way up here. So you never get that. Oh, my gosh, look at this. It's all around you. Mm -hmm. The other deciding factor with Cliffhanger, in this case, not going on the quarry wall was because that does absorb a lot of funding to do that. We're able to get a bigger, longer ride for the same cost by not putting it on the quarry wall. So in this specific case, those are really the decisions of why Cliffhanger ended up where it was, was, oh, my gosh, we can make it a better ride. And two, we really needed a ride that was intimidating to our guests. So that's why it's positioned. When you come over those train tracks, you're looking right at that drop and hearing every 45 seconds on cue, people screaming while they're going down the first drop. I mean, it's like a click track. You could just stand there all day, every day, and you hear screaming at the exact same places on the ride where we'd hope that you scream. So it adds to that intimidation factor. The ride looks larger than life in its position. So a lot of those factors. But to answer your other question, yes. There are strategic areas that we have placed and have already been working with ride manufacturers to come up with concepts that would interact and use the topography of the quarry wall to really create some fun elevations, dynamic experiences, and rides that you look uniquely different and unique to Fiesta, Texas. I love it. Uh, On that same vein, what are some, and obviously you you can't tell us anything, but (laughs) what are some ride types being enthusiasts that you would love to see? At, at Fiesta, Texas, that you don't have currently? 
Well, one is besides the big coasters, which we all love, and you know there's lots of great coasters out there. No doubt if you'd ask 99.9% of our guests the, the product type we're missing, they most likely would go to a large wood coaster first because we do not have a large wood coaster. And also a hyper coaster would probably come in number two as far as what, what our enthusiasts would say and our guests would say we're missing in the arsenal of, of big rides. But the other cool thing is, you know, is we've been continuing to be very cognizant of our ride portfolio and make sure that not only are we innovating with roller coasters, but also flat rides in general, mm-hmm. such as rides that look visually stunning, even if you choose not to ride. So you look at like the Joker with the big waving hand and the fun house and how the ride is positioned. Again, even if you don't get on that thing, you're like, that's just a cool looking ride. All the and then lights you go over to Daredevil Dive and you see this ride that's shooting fireballs off and lifts up and the planes <laughs> go crazy. Again, visually stunning. So when we were looking at for DC Universe and talking with our guests, a monorail ride has not been built in the industry in a long, long time at a large park. And to be able to really create a, for lack of better terms, a Wedway People Mover style ride in a Six Flags park that looks art deco and cool and takes you around the entire DC area by our waterfalls and over the other new rides that we're putting in just really does complement the overall appeal and ridership that you've seen very successful either with Suits Trolley at Universal Studios, other rides that have similar aerial rides, but we also wanted to make sure that it was higher capacity. So that's why we went with actual trains. So there's two trains that seat 16 folks each, also in shaded, completely encapsulated, climate-controlled comfort, as close to keeping you nice and shaded without air conditioning on board, uh, but hopefully the movement of the train will actually keep the air moving and make it feel good. But also adding other cool rides like the Nebula's ride. Because, again, even if you don't ride, it's just visually stunning. And the fact that it's the only one of its kind in Texas. And then adding a rotating tower ride, which also Texas does not have a rotating tower ride. Going with a 70-foot tower that rotates, bounces up and down as Shazam will also appeal to a very broad audience. So trying again, as we talked about earlier, making sure that all of our rides and attractions continue to broaden the audience appeal look visually stunning because how cool is that going to be you're looking at kid flash you see this monorail coming overhead 20 feet in the air going past the new green lantern ride by the waterfalls and jumping over water features <laughs> and even when you're waiting in the train station because it's a two-story train station where you're underneath it looks like a victorian station almost like penn station or grand central station where you see the trains loading up overhead you hear all, all right. the announcements of what's going on in metropolis you walk up the stairs and then you get under the loading platform to begin your your adventure. And as soon as the train leaves, because we have two trains, the next train is pulling in to keep that really nice high capacity. And then we modeled it in many ways after the Wedway People Mover or Hogwarts Express, where you actually sit in a cab, seated in a cabin facing each other. So if you're a family of four, you just are sitting facing each other, no seatbelts, no lap bar restraint. You're actually the cabin door locks, and that's what keeps you safe and encapsulated before you begin your five minute journey around DC universe. All right. That's, that's great. And seeing, you know, kid flash, you know, it's officially opening this weekend to the public and having another ride that is catered to all ages and, you know, having some thrill with it too, not just, you know, you know, it doesn't just go in an oval. There, there's something going on with the ride. You know, we we love our Zamperla, you know, STD eighty models, just like every other enthusiast does. Um, I don't want to talk about how many I've been on personally, but seeing a new model come out that is catered to all ages and especially those kids who are going to get that first thrill coaster, um, 
Can you talk through that process of how it came from, you know, purchase or, you know, beginning to, to now? It, absolutely. One is we wanted a ride that everyone will think is cool. And similar facet to the other rides we talked about, we wanted something that was visually stunning. And with the new LED Aurora package that's on it, you've got this ride that is just visually stunning. When was the last time you rode a family coaster that has an off-axis airtime hill? None of us ever. Right. <laughs> no, no one's ever been on it. For lack of better terms, it, it feels like a, a whippy jumbo jet. It almost stylistically has that kind of feel with the curves and maneuvers and the sound. But we wanted to design it that it was not a kid's coaster. We did not want a kiddie ride or a kid's coaster. We wanted something that if you were tweeners, you could easily fit. The trains don't look like little kid trains. And you, you don't feel silly riding a ride without a child. We wanted the same for mom and dad and everybody where you don't feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to have a child because I look weird riding this ride. Finally. And Skyline absolutely <laughs> delivered because the seats. I rode with Jeff Pike, who, again, is larger than me. He's 6'3". I'm 6'1 and a half. And we easily sat next to each other. All the right. restraint is very accommodating. The seats are very spacious because we didn't want it like the Mylar trains and we didn't want them like the junior trains. We wanted a more traditional train that happens to ride this, this profile. So from the train design to the way that it looks, to the colors, to the light package, to the profile, we wanted something that you come off and you're like, oh my gosh, that was just, that was fun. And the fact that each side is uniquely different. If you ride the, the gold side or the yellow side, it has its own different configuration and fun moments than the red side does. The red side is slightly more ambitious and the double down at the finale really is a legit double down. You do pop out of your seat when you're going on this double down towards the back of the station, which makes it really fun and rewritable. And then the fact we actually do two laps just to make sure that you get really good track length. This way, everyone's traveling over a thousand feet of track. And then when we have our fan events, we did have our friends at Skyline do a nice little program adjustment for us. So with this switch of a key, we actually can do three laps for when we're doing our enthusiast events, just to give that little extra (laughs) ride time cycle as we're all racing and challenging each other. But we really did. We wanted it to be visually stunning, fun ride, broad ride. And from day one, you look at the line, and I kid you not, day one, I met a 90-year-old grandmother that she wanted to ride with her grown adults and her great-grandkids. And here's this whole family (laughs) racing each other, and she stopped me and she said, that was great. I loved it. And they did too. And that's the cool thing is everyone loved it. And when you look at the line, it is everyone is in that line, which means we've we've hit it in the right way. So the previews last weekend were all great. All of our season pass holders had the opportunity to ride. Lots of fun preview events. And then this Saturday, we'll open it just to everybody and general, consu- general consumer. But the other aspect of it, as we talked kind of at the beginning of the, of the, the call, was theming. We didn't want it to just be a name of a ride. So our team in-house built a statue. Hopefully you've seen the Kid Flash statue mm-hmm. we built yeah. in-house. Yeah. We built medallions all over the ride of the, of the Flash logo that we put on the ride. There's panels that tell the story of the Cosmic Treadmill and the Kid Flash coaster. There's other theming elements throughout the ride. There's fun lighting. We, we made the station more visually interesting where it's actually a curved station roof that um, eventually – this year, we're, we're building giant Tesla coils for the top and some other mm. naming elements to really make it look distinctive as an anchor attraction to the new DC universe that's under construction. So we wanted it to not just look like, oh, here's a coaster and it's now open. We wanted to add a little bit more additional detail, storytelling, theming, just to help 
really pay off the excitement of the attraction, let alone all the fun LED lights that are all over it. I love it. How many different programs can those lights go through? I know they can I've seen... do anything you want. So right now there's the main show, which is what you see, which is the gold and red bolts and kind of the energy pulse. And okay. then eventually we'll have at least two others, one for Hollywood in the Park and one for Halloween that will debut that will be seasonal as well. Oh, I think we speculated that like way back in March when they were announced or something. I, yeah. That, no, that's awesome to hear that uh, you'll have tie-ins to the, the different events. Yeah. And if you go to Skyline's website, you'll see the different patterns that they've created just as, as some of their off-the-shelf patterns, which are also okay. very cool. I mean, it's visually stunning at, during the daytime and at nighttime. It's just spectacular. Mm-hmm. And we, we built this entire new lawn area to the one side of the ride. So as you're approaching it, just it just looks so cool with this really beautiful lawn and then the coasters in the background. It just gives a really neat sense of arrival. I absolutely love it. I just saw a picture of it on the, the Twitter for Fiesta. So that is phenomenal. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, you know, what last thing we really wanted to ask you, you know, what um, you, you, you've been here for a minute. You've done a lot um, and it's it's turned out obviously uh, incredibly well uh, this far. What um, is things that you look for both for the park over the next five to ten years as well as yourself over the next five? What, what, what things are you looking at trying to do more of or what things you're trying to get away from? Uh, where do you want to go you know, personally with the park? That type of thing. Well, our goal, and hopefully you've seen it, is that our park becomes more of a destination-style theme park, that it really does begin attracting a larger audience from around the country and from the, throughout the great state of Texas, but it really does begin to continue to the notoriety picks up, or hopefully legions of fans begin enjoying it, but it really is that unwavering commitment to make sure that it is an extremely well-rounded park experience, that regardless of what you love from a theme park, we want to make sure that we have it. We want to make sure that we're doing it, embracing it. So again, if you like live entertainment, got it. You like nighttime fireworks spectaculars, fantastic, got that. You want crazy over-the-top rides, fantastic, that's what the name above the door stands for. If you like theming and storytelling, food, retail, we want to make sure that we are just that well-rounded experience that truly everyone in the family can enjoy together and feel that we're listening to them and delivering for them. Uh, personally, it's making sure that I am training and teaching and paying forward all this information for the next generation. It, I really do, um, from talking with you guys to teaching classes to talking with up-and-coming leaders in the industry, my whole job is to just pay it forward, share as much information as anyone is willing to listen to so they can begin even in a much better place and not repeat some of the same mistakes. Because, again, it's not about – what I want. And it's not about what our team wants. It's about what our guests want and just constantly reminding folks because parks have gotten in the trap where they have built rides for themselves or that they think is cool. But, oh my gosh, is that still cool for an eight-year-old? Is it still cool for a nine-year-old? And just making sure that we are cognizant that I'm, we're not, it's not Jeffrey land. It is Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, and we need to build rides and attractions and services and landscaping and benches that appeal to as wide of an audience as we possibly can, especially in this day and age. It's so important to create fun memories. It's so important for folks to forget their day-to-day worries much more Mm -hmm. now than ever before. That is our our task at hand is to just have fun – 
a place where you can just enjoy each other's company, love each other, forget all the stuff that's going outside of our gates and walls and just have magical moments. And there's nothing more special and there's nothing more that we can do than just take care of each other. And theme parks are just a great way of showing our fellow human beings. We love them, appreciate them and look forward to entertaining them every single day. I absolutely love it. That's great. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, anything else you want to ask our esteemed guest? Oh, you're going to have another guest? Yes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> the esteemed guest arrive. We didn't want to tell you, but you're the first guy. In, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'll text him. Hold on. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, no, Jeffrey, really, really appreciate you coming on. I mean, this, this for us mm-hmm. is something that we've been looking you know, we mentioned this a few times and this is a surreal moment for us. When we started this podcast five years ago, first of all, we never thought we'd get to this many episodes because we thought it was like, who would actually listen to this? <laughs> who would care? Um, because we did it. Yeah. We didn't care that yeah. much. Um, but to have you on, yeah. on this, you know, monumental of an episode, it, it, it really means a lot to us. And we really appreciate you joining us for this moment. I know, me speaking, this is one of my favorite episodes easily um, just from the, the conversation that we had. And I, I'm just going to – I have to do it. You guys are going to roll your eyes at me here real quick. Oh, gosh. And I don't really oh, care. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a two-part question. The first part, a little more serious. The second part, not as serious. Um, the first part is, as a partner, are you guys trying to work with, you know, more so like the local food industry, um, you know, bring in the local beer food industry of, you know, you have such great food and everything, even reaching out to Austin, you have some of the best barbecue, actually the best barbecue in the world. I'm not even going to say it's not. Um, have you guys thought of partnering with some of those local places to do something like that? And then my second question, besides a Raptor, do you have a favorite dinosaur that would, you would like to see roam the park someday? well to answer backward our new coaster actually utilizes somewhat of the t-rex so for fans that love dinosaur t-rex that track is somewhat like the t-rex track because this is the first coaster you actually sit side by side on a single rail that's a good point if you remember that concept although the concept isn't from the same manufacturer we may have you know worked on some other ways of accomplishing that so basically kit flash some may argue or debate it's the first T-Rex style track that exists. Who knows where the next dinosaur is going to go. But when it comes to food, which, <laughs> you know, we truly believe food equals love. That's why we slow roast our own brisket. We reignited this past year our own smoker. So when you're walking down Crack Axle Canyon, you smell a smoking brisket all day long. And so much of our food and beverages are locally sourced. And not only the food and beverage, but almost everything we do, we like to hire local. So when you're building rides and attractions, we're using local labor, local electricians, local plumbers, local painters. It's it's local, 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 because we do believe, oh, my gosh, we're in San Antonio. We absolutely should be giving back to our community and making sure that they receive the benefit of having this amenity in their backyard. So we really do a cognizant effort of making sure that we try to use as much local sources hospitality, designers, food procurement, you name it. We really do try to make it as local as we can. Awesome. Great to hear that. Now I'm hungry for brisket. (laughs) 
I, I will say Pennsylvania does not have good brisket, so um, I am jealous that you have all those opportunities around you. I will say before I moved to Texas, I had never heard of brisket. And then I moved here and we're like, oh, you want brisket? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is really good. How come I've never had brisket? And also <laughs> breakfast tacos. Before moving to Texas, I never had breakfast tacos. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. Why does every place not have breakfast tacos? Right. They are so unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. The Texas bre- breakfast tacos hit different. It's yes, one of the it's best just, it, uh, And I, I love it. So it is. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, thank you so much, uh, Jeffrey, for joining us on our 250th episode. Can't believe oh, it. my gosh. Absolutely my pleasure, gentlemen. It's been so great spending time with you. Happy 250. Congratulations on this amazing milestone. No doubt many more exciting podcasts to come, and hopefully you'll find much better interviews and talent than myself to have conversations <laughs> with on the next milestone. So I'm truly here to help. Look forward to our next conversation. Do not be strangers and look forward to hopefully seeing you guys again soon. For sure. We can't wait till we can get back down to Fiesta, Texas. That's for sure. Come visit whenever you want. (laughs) There it is. Cheap flights. I I, I got some cheap flights down there. We're good. (laughs) There we go. All right. right, Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too. Thank Thank you. you.